he's been picked out. Socks down to his angle. Picks out Stansfield. That's the hat trick. And that's what dreams are made of. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Park Life, the official Exeter City podcast. Oh, how things have improved since our last show. Two massive wins against Bristol Rovers and Barnsley. Plus, we've finally got our hands on a striker. There's plenty to get through before our second clash with Rovers this weekend. So without further ado, let's get started. Coming up in today's show, I'm joined by Parklife regular Sam Parks to dissect our recent victories as well as get his opinion on City's new signings. City defender Cech Diabate also joins me to chat about how he forced his way into the starting eleven and how the team have turned things around in recent weeks. We also get the lowdown on Saturday's opposition from the Gascast's Max Alderson before the club's sustainability officer Travis Bramley talks us through what you can do to support Green Football Weekend. First up then, I'm joined by Expression FM's Sam Parks to get his opinion on a big week in City's season. Sam, welcome to Park Life. Things have changed a bit since we last had you on the show. Before that game against Cambridge at the Abbey Stadium, uh, City had gone 12 league games without a win. Now, we've won three of our last five in League One. What a turnaround. Yeah, a really good turnaround. You know, you've got to give credit to, to Gary for the club for sticking with him as well. And, you know, above else, the, the players as well, you know, they've really put a shift in and we're starting to see some goals and really strong defensive performances. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a hell of an upturn in form. Such a, a good display from the lads uh, on the weekend against Barnsley and before that against Bristol Rovers. What do you think it is that, that's caused this upturn in form? You know, a few weeks ago, we were sat in the relegation zone. Now we're up to 14th. What do you think it is that, that's turned our form around? I think it's belief. Uh, more than anything you know we've always had quality on the pitch and during that spell there was chances that would come and they wouldn't go in the back of the net but now you know ever since those first goals have gone in that Wickham game probably being the turning point you know City are now feeling like they could shoot a bit more and they're getting the rewards from that and winning games. I know that you were at the Memorial Stadium for the Bristol Rovers game where if we're being totally honest you know I think we played them off the park um, what did you make of that performance it was a heroic victory for City. Yeah, the first half especially, it was it was all City. Um, should have been, you know, it was one, should have been more than one. Reese Cole off the post, uh, a few other good opportunities. Second half, we, we kind of sat back and defended the lead a bit. But, you know, it was a, a really good away performance, a very spirited one. And um, I think City deserved the three points that they came away with. Sonny Cox getting another goal. What a sensation he's been since returning from his loan spell at Yeovil Town. He just looks such a different player, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he said in a few interviews, you know, he left a boy, came back a man and he's just re looked really, really sharp, especially that second ball in the penalty area. You know, he's always first on it. He gets all his goals off that. And that's what you need as a club that may not be getting those goals straight from shots. You know, he finishes up the second chances. Yeah. And another clean sheet for Vil Sinisalo. I believe that's 10 in the league this season, which is absolutely unbelievable, really, con considering, uh, you know, where we've been this season. One thing that's remained pretty strong throughout is our de defensive resilience. I've got Cech Diabate coming on in, in just a little bit. How important has his performance been to, to this upturn in form? Yeah, Cech's been absolutely brilliant. You know, fans have praised him. Gary's praised him. I think everyone's going to praise him. You know, he's been rock solid, really good with the ball at his feet and above all, really dominant in the air. And he really offers us that, you know, kind of 
strength that I think you need as a as a de- defensive unit. I mentioned that win against Barnsley uh, on the weekend, a huge victory, which very few would have been brave enough to predict. Maybe we rode our luck a little bit in the latter stages of the game, but those two strikes from Jack Aitchison and Rhys Cole were certainly worthy of the victory. You must have been immensely pleased with that one too, right? Yeah, immensely pleased. You know, it was really good to see Jack Aitchison get his goal. He's been working really well the last few games. I think him and Sonny work really well as a pair. So really good to see him get a goal. And then Reese Cole, you know, one of my players of the season so far, a, a lovely finish. And then good defensively in the second half as well to see it out, albeit by conceding one, but saw it out. And uh, well, since that victory against Barnsley, things have only got better because the long search for a striker is finally over. And well, like London buses to come at once. Mo Iser, an out and out centre forward with a proven goal scoring record in League One. And Milena Kali who we know uh, Gary is is keen to see play through that, that central channel. He's certainly mentioned that. Uh, and he's also proven his goal-scoring ability in the National League. Let's start with Mo Issa. Um When I saw him in the red and white stripes yesterday, I couldn't help but get excited. He's a man who certainly knows where the back of the net is. Yeah, Tom, we talked about it and... You know, I'm really excited to to see him play. You know, he scored goals in League One before. You know, he was good at Cheltenham. He was even good last season at MK Dons. Even though they went down, he grabbed 10 last season. And, you know, that was in a team maybe not with the same quality as us. So I'm really excited to see him play. He's fast. He can hold the ball up well. And, you know, I'm really excited to see him through the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, he's a a goal scorer. And I think that that is certainly what we need. And uh, he could well partner Sonny Cox up top. There's a lot that Sonny can learn from an experienced striker like Mo Issa. That partnership up top, maybe with Luke Harris and Jack Aitchison in behind. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, really exciting. You know, you've got a really experienced EFL striker who who knows these leagues like the back of their hand. And, you know, Sonny Cox just coming into this league. Same with Harris. It's the perfect player to learn off. Yeah, and and just on a side note, I I did notice that that's now 12 different nationalities represented in the Exeter City first team. Obviously, Moisa just signed. He's Sudanese. I think it's quite nice to see so many nationalities represented at our football club. Yeah, really, really nice. You know, it just shows how diverse the the group is and they all work really well together. So it's amazing to see. And our second signing of the day uh, was Milena Kali from Halifax Town, a winger who's found the back of the net seven times in 21 games this season. He's never played at this level, but do you think he's ready to to take that step up? I think this signing is a a really good one for City and it, it screams of the future, you know, a two and a half year deal, a bit like Harper we saw in the summer, you know, coming up from the National League, looking really exciting. And I think... It may seem like a big step up on paper, but, you know, the if you just ease him into the team, you know, given these chances, he looks a really dynamic player who can play in all those, you know, attacking positions, which is really exciting for City. And, you know, you'd expect him to come on leaps and bounds at a club like us. You'd certainly hope so. Uh, and players who we've signed from non-league recently, um, especially this season, they've managed to take that step up pretty well. Vinnie Harper looks a natural at this level. Reese Cole, he's been one of our best players this season. Maybe the step up isn't quite as hard as some may seem. Yeah, you know, I think a lot more credit has been given to the National League in the last few seasons, you know. Uh, away from our club, teams like Wrexham and Notts County, they're smashing League Two out the park at the moment, and they've just come straight up from the National League. Um, so, you know, a lot of credit has to go to that league and the players that are in that league because 
there are really quality players and hopefully Ali is another one of those. Yeah, one of the, one other player that I've seen him compared to is uh, Randall Williams, who we had a few seasons ago. Of course, there's a few similarities, a real flair player, great dribbler, but he also knows how to find the back of the net. And uh, well, of course, that backflip celebration as well. I suppose we could be looking at a player who maybe is a bit similar to Randall Williams. And if that's the case, it's going to be a great signing. Yeah, really exciting signing it would be. You know, Randall was so good and he's now off at Bolton, you know, starting in a team that's top of League One. So, you know, uh, a really good signing. And if, if it's, he's anything like Randall, then, you know, we're going to have a very exciting prospect on our hands. Well, yeah, certainly. Um, Ali, unfortunately, won't be available for selection on Saturday due to a slight knock. Uh, but one man who certainly will be is Moisa. His signing, of course, strengthens the squad ahead of Matt Taylor's return to St. James Park. He is, of course, a manager who this club owes a lot to. Um, you can tell immediately that there's immense respect from, from Matt towards the club. Uh, we gave him some of his best memories playing the game and also helped launch his managerial career. And then he gave us some fantastic memories, of course, including that promotion that night against Barrow. Um, I think everybody's really looking forward to, to welcome him back on, on Saturday. Yeah, he was he's an absolute legend at the club and, you know, we all appreciate what he did for us and I guess he appreciates what we did for him as well. It's a, a really, really nice relationship and, you know, he gave the fans some respect when we were away there um, the other week, you know, came over, clapped us for a little bit, which was, which was nice to see. But, you know, I think it's just a really, really mutual appreciation between, you know, the club and Matt Taylor, which is really nice to see. And I suppose it's quite a good time to reflect on how much the, the squad has changed since Matt's departure. There's not many who have, who have stuck around, I guess, or not many that we've managed to keep hold of. Harry Kite, uh, Alex Hartridge, Czech Diabate, Carl Taylor. I think they're the main ones, but there's been so many changes. And whilst I, I suppose it's always hard to say goodbye to those who have decided to move on it's interesting to compare the two squads now that Gary has really had a chance to to stamp his authority on on this team yeah really really interesting you know you've got Pierre Sweeney still in there of course yeah of course um, yeah sorry a, a, city, a city stalwart but you know it's really interesting you know quite a lot of Matt Taylor's players that he signed and were at the club have gone on to to bigger things to be honest um you know bigger teams up in league one likes of Archie Collins and then you've got a whole host of players playing in the championship as well. You know, Josh Key, Nombe, of course. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, player managers always get their stamp on squads and it's nice to see Gary, you know, finally making this squad his own. Yeah, but there is little room for sentiment during a 90-minute football match. We know how tough it's, it will be to, to beat Rovers again. You know, we, we had to work quite hard last Tuesday, but on Saturday, it could be a completely different game. We've got to be at our best if we want to get three points on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a bit tougher than uh, on the Tuesday night. You know, Chris Martin looks like he's back. He scored at the weekend. He's Rovers, you know, best player this season. And he signed a new contract as well. They've got some midfield signings as well in for Grimsby. Looks really impressive. You know, I think it's going to be a different look, Bristol Rovers team. And they've got the players that could hurt us. They just didn't turn up on the Tuesday that we played them. But, you know, City can do it. You know, they've showed how they can play against Rovers. And I think there's more in the tank for the boys yeah and since then they've only gone and beaten uh oxford united 3-1 promotion chasing oxford which is an absolutely fantastic result they're a good side uh, and we'll have to be at our best to beat them but 
with uh, with Moita in attack, uh, perhaps we can do so. Um, let's finally look forward to uh, Peterborough United, who visit the park on Tuesday night. We all know how good they are. They'll be battling for promotion come the end of the season. It's also a return to SJP for two academy graduates, Archie Collins and Joel Randall. Are you looking forward to seeing some familiar faces back at the park? Yeah, Archie especially, you know, a promotion hero and he was so good last year. Um, Joel Randall, an interesting one, you know, he's mm. been injured, didn't play down here last year and he didn't really play in front of fans for City. You know, he was during that COVID period. So we we didn't see much of Joel Randall um, who left before the promotion season, which is really, really interesting. But yeah, I, I guess both of them will be, you know, happy to be back and there'll be some, you know, joyous reunions between some of the players and, and Archie and, and Joel. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. But once again, I suppose this is quite similar to the Portsmouth game back in December, where we did manage to get a point from. Let's not forget, we'll have to be at our best to beat them. It's going to be a tough, tough game to to get anything from. But if we are to do so, we're going to have to be at our very best. Yeah, look, I think at home against a good team, City can have anyone on their day. We saw it last season. We've seen it this season. You know, we played really well against Pompey. We only just lost to Barnsley in the 90th minute as well, right back in October. So, you know, on a Tuesday night um, against Peterborough, you know, you'd, you'd have to, you know, hope City can get a point and if not more. Yeah, well, absolutely. And uh, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Uh, Two big games coming up at the park in a matter of a few days. So plenty to look forward to. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on Park Life yet again. And uh, well, uh, we'll we'll certainly hear your voice again on uh, Park Life in, in the next few weeks. Thanks, Sam. No worries. Thank you, Tom. Next, I'm joined by City's centre-half Cech Diabate to talk about returning to the starting eleven and how the team have completely turned things around after that 13-match winless run. Cech, welcome to Park Life. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you've had quite the couple of months. If we look back to November, you weren't really playing as, as much as you would have liked. You were played out of position as a striker, not really getting those chances to showcase your ability. But fast forward two months and you're one of the first names on the team sheet. You won Player of the Month for December and you kept four clean sheets. That is quite the achievement. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that achievement, of course. Uh, but yeah, like you said, start of the season was so difficult. You know, I wasn't really involved. I was questioning so much. Like, it's it's really hard for a player to go through, like, a period like that. Uh, and it's the first time in my short career that I've experienced, like, being in the position like that. So, obviously, when Matt was here, you know, I broke into the team. I was playing week in, week out. We got promoted. I started the league, you know, up until I got injured. Uh, same thing when I came back from injury, I was straight back in. So, for, you know, majority of my short career... I've always been playing, you know, and this season was so tough mentally, you know, from the start of the season all the way up until I'll say like December time, I was questioning whether I was still good enough. You know, I didn't really believe in myself. I was coming into training, not really happy, not really wanting to be there. Um, And yeah, it was a difficult time. But, you know, with patience, you, you can get through times like that. You showed immense resilience to get back into the team and cement your place in the starting eleven, that must have taken some real mental strength to to put yourself into that position and and keep going. Yeah, um, like to be fair, you always hear stories where you know a player says, "Oh yeah, you know they've been left out." Like you hear this with a lot of ex players you speak to will tell you that like, this is just football. You know, Gaffer told me when he was at Celtic, there was always like you know three, four other centre halves, and 
you know, it was always competition for places and he never felt safe. And I guess that's that's how football is. And, you know, in, in a way, it does make you a better player. Um, and I'm not, obviously, you said that I've cemented my spot. Um, I feel like I haven't, do you know what I mean? Because I know that there's other players that are ready to take my spot if I'm not doing the job, if I'm not doing what I need to do. So that kind of keeps me on my toes and every game like I'm thinking like, you know, I need to perform well every single game so that I can keep playing. Because um, for me, I just always want to be out there on the pitch. I always want to play 90 minutes because um, that's what I enjoy doing. I love playing playing games. You know, when it comes to a game day, you know, that's, that's the day of the week I look forward to the most. So I, I obviously want to be out there. Your big break came against Stevenage, right? Um, put back in position at centre-back at, at the Lamex. I was there and you were unstoppable in, in that game. What I saw more than anything in that second half particularly was the deep passion you have for Exeter City Football Club. And I think everyone saw that when you're celebrating Yannick's equaliser. How much did that game give yourself a, a confidence, that that boost, and, and give you that self-belief that, that you can be a top defender at this level? Well, that game, that day was just, like it felt so good like the satisfaction I felt and I'm pretty sure all the other lads in, in the squad obviously I used to play for Stevenage so going back to the Lamex that's where I got told I wasn't good enough or they they thought I wasn't good enough to make it into their first team and you know it's where I kind of got released uh, in one of the offices so for me the Lamex isn't just a stadium it's like where I got told by you know two people you're not good enough basically so when I when I went there, obviously I knew I was playing in my position again, and I was like, I don't know, I felt like I had something to prove to everyone, to Gary, to the fans, um, to myself, to 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 everyone really. So that's how I went out, and I went out, and I feel like this season that's my best performance, one hundred percent, um, in terms of everything. I was composed on the ball, you know, I, I defended well, I headed a lot of balls, and I felt very good. Yeah, since then, you've recorded uh, a few clean sheets. The, that one against uh, Portsmouth was particularly impressive, but the one against uh, Bristol Rovers uh, away. And of course, we played them this weekend as well. Two brilliantly uh, brilliant performances. Uh, and of course, you can't forget Cambridge at home. Um, just talk to me about those last two games, though. Um, the morale of the squad must be absolutely over the moon at the moment because we've come through such a difficult period as a club 13 without a win to then win three and five I, I suppose that the relief amongst the squad must be intangible really yeah you know like at the moment in the training ground and even in the change rooms before the games you feel like you know the the squads like you feel like we have a lot of confidence right now um like you said we went through a crazy patch of games where we just weren't winning, where things were going against us. Um, and yeah, it was very, very difficult. Um, everyone was doubting themselves. And yeah, it was it was a tough time. It was a tough time. But now, you know, the last two, last five games, I think we've been outstanding. I think we've been we've been good. We've been solid and we've shown what we're capable of. And uh we've got 17 games left of the season. So I think like that's that's more than enough games to, you know, do something good and end this season on a high. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the next 17 games and the goal now is to finish as high as possible. Yeah, not just avoid relegation, uh, finish as high as possible. Um, I know that Demi said that the wait well, he posted on Twitter, didn't he? Um, that the gaffer challenged you to get seven points from the last three games. And that's exactly 
what you've done. Did you genuinely believe that, that you could get, get those seven points when you looked at the fixtures that, that were coming? Uh, so, yeah, I genuinely myself, I believe that, yeah, we could have done it. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of the lads, you know, I can't speak for, for the other lads, but I'm pretty sure a lot of them believed it as well. And that showed in our performances, you know, um, Cambridge, we should have won that game. You know, we had chances. Um, we just couldn't put it away on the day. And then Bristol Rovers was, you know, it's a tough place to go away. But the way we played shows that, you know, we believed in what we was doing. We believed in the manager's tactics and we went and we executed it. Um, and same, you know, to be fair, when I saw um, Barnsley, my honest opinion was, all right, they're top five in the league, but that doesn't really mean anything. Like, if we go and we we do what we have to do, we'll beat them. And mm. the gaffer was saying the same thing. And, you know, that's what we we went and did. We went and we, you know, done what he told us to do and it, and it all worked. Um, so, yeah, he set a goal and we achieved it. Yeah, outstanding, really. Um, what do you think the turning point was? Um, you know, we're playing just as well as I've seen us play since, you know, many times during that promotion season, sometimes during last season as well, we were excellent. But this is this is just as good as, as, as any of that. And that's credit to the players and the coaching staff. But how did you turn it around? That's that's a difficult question, you know, because a lot of people could say, you know, Stevenage was, was a turning point. Um a lot of people could say Wickham. I don't. I don't really know exactly. I couldn't tell you exactly when the turning point was. But um, in in football, momentum's important and confidence as well. And from I'll say from the Cambridge game, even the Portsmouth game, like getting a point at home to the top of the league, I think that that gave us a huge boost. And you know, we were think personally. I was thinking that if we can keep a clean sheet. Um, against Portsmouth, who are top of the league, and our XG was higher than theirs as well. We can beat anyone in this league. That was my mentality, you know? And I think, yeah, I think, if I think of all the games, all the recent games, I think the Portsmouth game was probably, like, the turnaround and where we saw, like, we're actually capable of, you know, doing good things and beating these so-called big teams. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I'll say, I'll say that was the game where, yeah, it was like a turning point, kind of. Um, it sounds ridiculous now, but you kind of have to avoid complacency after going on such a, a good run. Let's look towards the future. Bristol Rovers, again on Saturday, a chance for you to do the double over them. Um, what kind of match are you preparing for? We're preparing, obviously, this. we, we played them, I think, what, a week, two weeks ago now. Um, so they're going to they're gonna come more prepared. You know, uh, they're going to know exactly... You know what we're good at they're they're gonna know um so we need to be prepared to you know do even more than what we did away from home uh because we we know that they know how we play now and they know what to expect as well from us um so it's gonna be a i feel like it'll be a close game um but i do feel we're i do feel like we're a better team than bristol and i do feel like we'll get the win we just need to you know do what we need to do and execute um our tactics um but like you said about complacency as well that's one thing you can't do. Um, and I don't think any of the lads in our squad get complacent, you know, because for us, it's when when we win a game, we move on to the next, you know, we don't think about it. We just move on because in football, games come thick and fast and you can't dwell on whether you've lost or whether you've won. You can't, you just can't do that. So obviously the Barnsley game was amazing, 
now that's in the past and we've got to move on and look forward. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we've got two new players who are going to be a part of that journey uh, going forward. Mo Issa signed uh, yesterday, or at least as, as when we're recording it, and so did Melanie Ali. Have you had a chance to, to meet the two new players? Yeah, I met them today. Um, Mo Issa, um, I played against him last season. Uh, he's a good player. And and Melanic Ali, um, obviously, I don't know too much about him, but from what I've heard and from what I've seen from clips that I've watched of him, uh, he's, he's, he's a good player as well. So I think both of them will definitely add uh, good quality to us. And I think, I feel like we do need that as well. Um, and personally, I think with these two signings and the squad we have already, I think we can finish on a high um, this season. And, you know, 17 games, like I said, it's a lot of opportunities to literally change our season around and see what how, how high we can finish. How high do you think we can finish? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. Well, you know, whatever, whatever happens, will happen. Like, you know, I don't like. Obviously, I've got a prediction in my head, but you know, you never know what will happen. Like, we've we've got to keep on winning games. We've got to keep on performing, and you know, I don't think it's good to look at the end goal. You got to, you know, go through the processes. We take it game by game, and. If we take it game by game, you know, by the end of the season, we'll see where we end up. But it's it's hard work. It's not easy. Um, you can say as much as you want. Oh yeah, we'll finish here. We'll finish there. But if you're on the pitch and you're not doing what you've got to do, you're not you're not going to get there. So for me, the most important is thinking about every game as it comes, not Absolutely. the not the final result. It's all about uh, the next game then. Bristol Rovers on Saturday. And, uh, well, it looks like the the squad are feeling quite confident. Uh, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Bristol Rovers, a great side. And uh, onwards from there. At the moment, the the turnaround in form seems to, to be doing us wonders. Uh, Czech, thank you so much for joining us on, on Park Life nice. this week. It's uh, been great to hear your insight. Nice. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Next up, we get the lowdown on Bristol Rovers from the Gascast's Max Alderson. Max, welcome to Park Life. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it's not been long since we last played Bristol Rovers, last week in fact, and I'm not sure if many would have predicted the outcome of that one. Rovers weren't in great form, but nor were we. Regardless, City secured the 1-0 victory through Sonny Cox, which has sparked a, a decent little run of form uh, for the team. Rovers fans, however, must have been left pretty frustrated after an evening uh, of disappointment. How did you feel after that one, Max? Yeah, probably the angriest I've I've felt all season, to be honest. Um, I felt that we didn't have much character on our side at all. Um, the conditions were horrendous. I don't know if you went to the game, but the wind and the rain was just um, the worst I've seen in, in many a year down the Mem, um, which made you know playing football obviously a big challenge. Um, the fact that you guys were obviously struggling a little bit and try, desperate for the win to obviously push yourselves up the table. Um, so the gauntlet was kind of there to, to step up to the plate and, and, you know, tackle the game head on. But we just didn't have any kind of character or personality about us to to, to match you guys. And, yeah, you, you deservedly um, won the game. I, I probably would have said a draw I've, I would maybe have been fair. But I think when I'm looking at the character of the two sides and who wanted it more, I think it, it, no doubt was, was Exeter City. So, yeah, no, I, it was a very frustrating game. I was frustrated just by the fact that, you know, none of us, none of our squad really looked up for it, which is one of the most disappointing things you can kind of witness as a fan. But um, we've since bounced back, so I'm a little bit less angry. Um, but yeah, the, the game itself was frustrating for sure. 
Yeah, well, he certainly looked it. Um, obviously, you know, joyous for us, but but very disappointing f- for your lot. You were missing a couple of decent players, though, a couple of key players. Uh, perhaps some of the poor performance can be blamed on the absence of Chris Martin, top goal scorer this season. Since that game, uh, he's returned from injury and also signed a new contract with the club, meaning he'll be available for selection on Saturday. How much did you miss his quality last Tuesday? Yeah, I would, I would say... Yeah, we did miss it, but I, I don't think we created a great deal either. Chris is quite a, uh, he's a finisher, really. He, he doesn't massively create his own chances. The, the only chance he do, does create for himself is by being in a good position and be able to um, use his wide range of different finishes. And he's got a cracking shot on him from any, any distance, really. But where he really kind of thrives is in that box, any kind of loose balls he pounces on. So he does kind of need that service. Um, and I just don't think on that Tuesday night, we, we looked like we were creative at all um, until probably the last 15 minutes of the game where, where we suddenly woke up. But yeah, we, we massively missed him. It's been good to have him back. He, he obviously scored against Oxford on Saturday on his return, signed a signed a new contract, which is great news. And yeah, he's been a really surprising signing because yeah, he's not exactly a young man anymore um, in the twilight of his career. Um, recently played for, for our red neighbours across the river in South Bristol. And um, yeah, that pretty much all of my friends who are Bristol City fans have said as soon as he signed that you'll just love him. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. He's a journeyman striker. He's thirty-five. He's not exactly you know young blood energy that we need, but he's been fantastic. He's he's been double digits for goals. Uh, I think only gotten going in September with not much of a preseason. And yeah, he there's, there's tricks in the old dog yet. So yeah, he's he's been pretty integral to the way we we set up, um, and we've kind of built our attack around feeding him and it's worked really well so I can't really have too many complaints. Well Chris Martin signed a new contract and you've also strengthened elsewhere on the pitch as well the signing of Camille Conte it even got Fabrizio Romano talking he looks a great acquisition. <laughs> yeah no a really exciting signing and, and really smart to kind of jump on a player you don't often see um, players leave within six months of joining a club because um, he signed for Grimsby Town um, on a three-year deal and he's only six months into that, not even that. I mean, he signed in, in the summer and it was January. So, yeah, not not long at all. And he's already on the move again to us. Um, so it's quite smart business for us to, to kind of see that he's got a release clause, see that he's a hot prospect and jump in before maybe the summer. Well, he'll ha- probably have a lot more interest probably from top end League One championship clubs. So, yeah, I really like him. He, he's exactly what we needed, to be honest. Um, we've got a few injuries, particularly in the midfield. Um, in defensive midfield so Grant Ward who's kind of our sitting um, jack of all trade centre mid is is unfortunately out for the next month or two so um, he was a big player we missed against yourselves on Tuesday and I really felt that we lacked that kind of cover for the defence obviously you scored on a a breakaway and we were just backing off backing off backing off um, and then it was just a bit of a defensive calamity so we kind of need that guardian in front of that back line and Camel Conte looks exactly like he can do that against Oxford City on, um, sorry, yeah, Oxford United on um, Saturday. He looked brilliant in that role. He didn't look like he had masses of energy, wasn't busting a gut, flying into tackles. He's not that kind of defensive midfielder. He just kind of marks a man out of a game perfectly. And then he'll just slip out from the shadows and just win win the ball when you, when you don't expect him to. He's kind of quite a patient defensive mid. I, I mean, I'm only basing it on what the one game I've seen, but he looked very calm. Very assured and yeah, we, we look really solid with him in that midfield. So I'm very pleased with the signing. 21 years old. It's just kind of ticks all the boxes, really. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one change you made uh, from the game against us to the Oxford game uh, was your goalkeeper, of, of course. Now, I, I think uh, goalkeeper errors kind of come uh, just every year when when we play you uh, at the Mem. I think it was James Belshaw the, the year prior and, and then Matthew Cox, who spilled his effort into Sonny Cox's path, uh, which gave us the, the goal on Tuesday. You replaced him with Jed Ward, who was your number two for much of the first half of the season. Does he look a little bit more competent? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I hate to, to really play down a player like, like Cox, who's obviously a young professional England under-20 goalkeeper, trying to make his way but he's been a massive point of debate for the whole season um particularly being the one who's kind of replaced james belshaw our promotion winning um player of the season from league two when we came up with yourselves um belshaw obviously struggled in league one as you saw firsthand um both not just at the memorial stadium but st james's park as well with the uh he got chipped i think there as well um late on um which was frustrating so yeah, Belshaw was obviously replaced. This this keeper Cox on loan from Brentford kind of boasted a more possession based keeper style, sweeper keeper, play it out from the back, good long range passing, and it kind of started out that way. He looked pretty decent in early, early on, but I think when kind of the fixtures started to pile up and the pressure started to mount, and the manager changed this, that, the other, um, and we didn't quite have as good a season as we thought. I think kind of his errors have been highlighted and he's not looked the keeper that we need. Um, and I think, yeah, it's been frustrating that we can't have a keeper who wins you points. We have a keeper that's unfortunately lost us some points. And I think the the game against yourselves on Tuesday was was the straw that, that broke the camel's back, really, that, that made Matt Taylor say, you know what, we've got a really good young goalkeeper in, in uh, Jed Ward, 20 years old, um, who's one of our own. I think it's got to the point now where we're probably safe, um, you would think, um, with not much of the season left to play. There's enough breathing space there below us and unfortunately too much distance to kind of catch up in front of us that we're kind of looking towards next season already. So it'd be great if Jed can get, you know, 15, 20 games between now and the end of the season to just kind of get that experience um, and, and kind of potentially be number one for, for next year. Because ultimately, what as good as, you know, it is to have a young professional like Cox, he's not been good enough and it's now at the point where we're just developing someone else's player. So that's kind of why Jed came in and he looked brilliant. He made some fantastic saves. Um, unfortunate not to keep the clean sheet. It was a handball goal by Oxford, deflected uh, effort. But yeah, he looked really, really assured. And yeah, I'm excited to see more of him. He's a local lad. And yeah, you could you could see what it meant to him to get man of the match as well. Yeah, he certainly looks a, a, a good young talent. Um, you've mentioned Matt Taylor a couple of times. And of course, naturally, every Exeter City fan will be looking straight towards the dugout on Saturday because it's Matty's first game back at St. James Park since his last managing Exeter, which, as you'll know, was, was funnily enough against Bristol Rovers. Um, talk to me about your opinion on Matt, what he's done for the club since he he joined in December, and uh, and and everything else that that comes with Matt Taylor because he's a great man. We all know that, uh, and he's also a, a decent tactician as well. Yeah, he's what kind of struck me early on is the the fixture list he kind of inherited. Um, I think we had Portsmouth at home, Bolton away, and Charlton at home, uh, and we won all three. Um, you know, good wins, and I think what kind of stuck out was the just the the way we nullified the opposition um, and we just looked like we were doing the basics a lot more. Taylor's massively simplified things down. He's gone back to basics. He, he talks about basics all the time, as you probably know, 
Um, but his, his post-match interviews are refreshingly honest and you can just see what he's trying to do. He's just trying to keep it quick, keep it efficient in, in tight areas. And what I've noticed most of all is kind of the overloads all over the pitch. We're playing a, a five at the back, a three at the back, a three, four, three. And there just seems to be options everywhere. Every time a player has it, there's at least three open options. And it's just, it's just so great to watch. And it's, it's been not without its difficult periods. As you can see, we're not in a great bit of form at the minute, but I think a lot of that is down to injury, um, needing fresh faces in, needing yeah, some new signings and unfortunately needing some extra staff as well because he's not been massively well supported since he's coming in. He's, he's brought in Jamie McAllister um, on the coaching staff, but not much else. And coming into the January window, we don't have a recruit recruitment department or anything like that so he's literally doing it all off his own back so it's been a struggle been a bit of a struggle for him unfortunately that's just how it's gone with Barton pretty much having his entire setup being his kind of guys from the recruitment team to the physios to um, the coaches so when he left all of that left unfortunately so Taylor is really working with the bare bones here and I think overall he's doing a pretty good job yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And uh, of course, Jamie McAllister, somebody who we know quite well um, from Exeter City as well. So a couple of them uh, linking up. Another former Exeter City uh, defender, at least, uh, and obviously Matt and Jamie both being defenders too. Um, another who will be returning uh, to St. James Park, I believe for the first time in his career, um, is City Academy graduate George Friend, who lines up against his boyhood club uh, for the first time since you know, he, he left the club in 2008. He had a, a loan spell a couple of years later, but he's never played against Exeter City, which I find astonishing, really. Um, what's he been like for Rovers since joining in the summer? Because I know Gary admitted uh, that we had spoken to him about potentially uh, returning to City, but he opted for, for Rovers in the end. Yeah, he. Um, I think he, he's got a lot of roots in Bristol as well. He played for the Rovers Academy as a, as a young lad as well. Um, played for Bristol City as well, I believe. Um, so I think he has got ties in Bristol, which may have played a part in the move. But yeah, unfortunately, he, he's suffered from a lot of injuries, um, not really had a consistent run in the side. But when he's kind of been called upon, he's been, you know, pretty solid. Um, he played in a back three against Oxford, which I don't think he's done this season, um, maybe only once or twice. Um, usually under Barton, he was at left back. Um, but yeah, he kind of played left centre back and looked really, really good. Um, vocal, good leader solid i just wish he could kind of keep a bit um bit fitter in terms of his injury record but that's going to happen at his age as it's happened with james wilson as well um we've just been really unlucky this season with injuries and it's kind of hampered us but i really like george friend I, i'm interested to see what taylor will do with him in the summer because he's i believe he's out of contract so i'd be interested to see if he extends for another year or if um he kind of drops to, to leaves for, for another club let's move on to saturday then and uh well st james park hasn't been the happiest of hunting grounds uh for bristol rovers in recent years in fact since the turn of the century rovers have won just one in 10 games at the park and that was all the way back in 2012 so i make that Elliot 12 Richards? scored in that game i believe you may be right you may be right um i don't have that off the top of my head (laughs) this did 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 take a little bit of research um but that was all the way back in 2012 so that what so 12 years since your last win at st james park well yeah (laughs) um do you think this is the year that you can finally end that window streak i hope so i hope so i mean I've, i've looked back and there's been some great games down there i can remember some that we've been really unlucky in and some that we've been really lucky in. So thinking back to, I remember, uh, I believe it was when we got promoted from League Two last time and Stuart Sinclair 
scored an absolute screamer, ran the length of the pitch in the rain and knee slid in front of the Rovers fans. And then um, I can't remember who it was. You had a young lad who, who'd who come back from loan and he scored a deflected effort in injury time to, to earn yourselves a draw. I'm sure some of your, your, your listeners will be able to recall, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head. So I remember that one being really gutting. And then on the flip side, I remember last season, Ryan Lofton injury time um, scoring to, to earn us a 2-2 draw. So yeah, it's always a good game. It's always um, a, a really exciting one. The only one that kind of raises alarm bells was was the 4-1. 4-0 um, down in 20 minutes, I think it was, in yeah. League 2 under Barton. But yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic this time that, that we'll give you, you know, hopefully a, a really good game and bring home the three points. I think particularly because we've played you in the last week, we'll be, I hope the players and the management team are as angry at that result as, as us fans were. Um, we'll be wanting a response. We've got some bodies back in Martin and Conte now in the middle, solidifying that. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can, under better weather conditions, give you a better showing of what we're about because unfortunately we, we really did not show you anything close to our best. So I'm optimistic that we can kind of show up and at least you know give a good account of ourselves always expect wonderful weather down in devon um <laughs> but of course you know city are in good form it's going to take a lot to, to beat our side you know humbly i say uh, but we have been in, in decent form the win against barnsley um on the weekend I'm, I'm sure raised a lot of eyebrows in league one that, that must be on your mind of course yeah no you can't underestimate anyone um rovers for the last, I don't know how many years in League One, um, obviously we had a quick stint in League Two, but we've always shown up against the top six, top 10, top half teams. And we've, we've kind of played better against teams who are higher up in the table, maybe because there's more space to exploit, maybe because, you know, teams are coming at you more and you can counter more. But our Achilles heel for the last decade or so has just been, we're terrible against bottom half teams. Um, no disrespect meant there, um, but everyone is, you know, Rovers are on the verge of being a bottom half team themselves. But that is where we fail to step up to the mark is when we play teams who are fighting for their lives, really, um, and fighting to stay in the division. Um, it seems that we kind of struggle in that mid-table obscurity to kind of have that same motivation as teams down there. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we haven't really shown up and beaten teams that you would hope on paper that we would. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely not saying that this is one on paper that I would expect us to win. It's a tough game. And if you ask me now, I'd be happy with a point. So um, yeah, I'm definitely expecting a tough one. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us on Park Life this week. It's going to be a good game, I'm sure. And uh, well, um, best of luck for the rest of the season. Obviously not on Saturday, uh, but that doesn't <laughs> need to be said. It's going to be a good game. And uh, well, I mean, there's always a, a little added uh, sort of twinge to this one because it is uh, a semi-local rivalry I guess uh, so lots to play for absolutely thanks so much for having me on finally I'm joined by City's sustainability officer Travis Bramley to talk about what you can do ahead of City's green football weekend this week Exeter City celebrate green football weekend and whilst that name probably needs a bit of a rethink for us lot in the red half of Devon it's incredibly important to consider how us football fans are impacting the environment to explore this topic further, I'm joined by the club's sustainability officer, Travis Bramley. Now, Travis, firstly, just tell our listeners about what the Green Football Weekend is all about. Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on, Tom. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, and yeah, really excited to kind of share more about the Green Football Weekend and also more about what, I guess, the club is doing in the area of sustainability. So, yeah, to answer your question, Green Football Weekend is a essentially a, it's a nationwide campaign. Um 
there's about 80 clubs who take part each year. So looks like it's going to be a similar amount this year. So it's a big thing. And basically, it's all about trying to get as many fans and stakeholders from across kind of the club's operations to engage in more sustainable behavior and, and trying to kind of change the mindset when it comes to what is sustainability and and kind of trying to drip feed it into everyone's lives and not make it a real chore to to do and try and make it a little bit more fun and accessible as well in terms of you can score goals or make pledges for your team and that's kind of the whole premise behind it is you make your team um go up the leaderboard or, or down the leaderboard and depending on on how many fans pledge and that's kind of what it's all orientated around is is trying to get your team to win the green football weekend trophy or cup at the end of it um and i think we're currently sitting in, in ninth position as as of recording um for, for this weekend so yeah it's, it's going well so far for us at exeter and whilst, you know, a lot of people, when they hear about climate change and the problems facing our, our environment at the moment, you see uh, images and videos of forest fires and, and everything else that's on the news. It's all quite a, a, quite a lot, isn't it? But at, yeah. in actuality, the solutions to a lot of these problems can just be done for, from home, you know, turning off a light bulb, uh, turning off the tap when you're, when you're brushing your teeth, whatever it might be. These are big things uh, or little things that can help solve a, a big problem. Yeah, for sure. I think um, when you alluded to the the, the really big um, kind of scary problems like wildfires, flooding, that kind of thing, it can it can sometimes feel quite either quite abstract. So it's not something that we immediately think of in our daily lives, and that's quite. I mean, it's it's quite difficult for us to think how can we actually have an impact. Um, but also, you kind of feel quite powerless with it as well. Like you can't do anything immediately to change it. But I think what Edge ball and, and and Planet League and the Green Football Weekend is trying to do is is put the kind of the ball in in our court and actually make us feel empowered and realise that small actions can actually add up to substantial totals. Uh, and we know our fans are competitive, right? We we, we know mm. that for sure. So there's always got to be uh, an incentive to to get our fans to to get involved in this scheme. And I suppose that's exactly what the, the leaderboard is for. City currently sit ninth in the Green Football Weekend league table, ahead of some big clubs like Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City. Um, they're going to have to work hard to stay ahead of those teams. Yeah, yeah, we are. I think so. A few days ago, we were actually ahead of Chelsea as well. So, um, but Chelsea seem to have had a bit of a, a late run of form, and and they're a few few positions ahead of us at the moment. But I, I reckon we can get get them back by the weekend if we if we put in a good shift and. And get as many people onto the the Green Football Weekend website and and making those pledges and kind of scoring those those eco goals for us. Yeah, and what is it that the city fans can pledge uh, to get those points on the leaderboard? Sure. Yes. I mean, so the the way it works is there's two websites. You've got Pledgeball and you've got Planet League. So you go onto on onto the Pledgeball site first and foremost, all through the Green Football Weekend kind of portal. Um, and Pledgeball is just a one off. So you make pledges kind of um for the year so you say that you're going to to walk or cycle to games or you're going to eat vegetarian once twice a week things like that basically take public transport to to a game or, or something something similar along those lines and it's like a reverse carbon calculator so it then tells you how many kilograms of carbon dioxide that you will save by doing those actions and then that translates into the green goals that we have that kind of that push us up and down the leaderboard um and that's kind of that will literally take you five minutes tops you fill in your details you tick the boxes you're done and that's your kind of contribution to helping exeter to, to hopefully climb that that league table but if you want to get more involved and you want to kind of 
get your family and friends involved and have a bit of a maybe a friendly rivalry with with a mate or something like that you go back onto the green football weekend website and then head across to planet league and basically that um allows you to, to basically do daily actions so there are things on there like using um alternative milks so switching out cow's milk for example to something like oat milk or rice milk or something whatever um or perhaps uh like yeah riding riding a bike to work or using a reusable water bottle um even downloading the green foot weekend cookbook actually earns you a green goal like it's really that simple um so it, it really really varies like in terms of what you can do and also for planet league you have to take a photo of what you've done so you kind of have to prove a little bit of evidence as well to prove that you've actually done it and that can be quite quite good fun to to get the especially the younger members of your family involved as well and, and getting them thinking about their everyday behaviors and like i said you can do that pretty much daily and, and score more and more points and you sort of see yourself moving up the leaderboard as well as the the, the club so yeah it's, it can be quite addictive i think yeah well for sure and uh well city aren't just asking the fans to do um mm -hmm. its work uh we're also doing a lot of things ourselves and um, we're giving for example a free tea or coffee to every supporter who shows a public transport ticket that has been used on the day to get to the ground uh we're giving them a free tea or coffee uh, and we're even swapping out the default hospitality menu option to vegetarian to give supporters the, the option of a, a bit more of a sustainable lunch the, those little changes like like we just said uh, which can make a huge mm. difference yeah i think it's like i said earlier on it's, it's all about making small changes that feel really manageable and, and aren't a huge kind of inconvenience because they they do add up and i think um it's it's all about getting people on board with sustainability instead of um i don't want to necessarily use the word but, but alienating them against it because i get that it can feel like you almost have to be in one camp or the other but you really don't like you don't have to be an environmental activist to be interested and passionate about sustainability and, and caring about where we live and, and and the wider world in general and i think yeah i think from from a, a club perspective offering small tokens like that is is great to raise awareness for the for the green football weekend as a whole um but obviously we, we hope that there's going to be a bit, bit of a legacy after the green football weekend as well from from certain sort of stadium activations um like for example, we're going to have some some charity bins for um, secondhand children's sports clothing. They're going to go down to to Jelly in Exeter. Um, so that's sort of repurposing old sporting goods, which is great. Um, we're announcing our partnership with TrainSplit, which is a a, a train splitting um, website company. Um, and they basically, if those of you not familiar with train splitting, essentially you stay on the same train. But the ticket is just literally split into two or more tickets and that enables you to, to save money on the regular fare. So this website does that all for you. So we've we've partnered up with them to enable Exeter City fans, regardless of where you're going. It could be on your daily commute. It could be going to a city game. Um, but yeah, you can save money through that portal. So we're, we're trying to to use Green Football Weekend as a bit of a catalyst for, for change and for good um, off the back of it. And there's lots of work going on behind the scenes as well. And that's that's largely what what my role is all about well yeah i was going to say this is probably quite a good time to bring up some of the work that the club have already done um mm. because it's we're a club that pride ourselves on, on our green credentials and i think fairly so you know the cans for city scheme has been running for many many years and has saved mm. thousands of cans uh, from landfill the club also recently announced a new cup recycling scheme at the bars around st james park where fans can donate their, their cups back to the club for reuse and then by doing so it helps save the 
the planet and also raise a bit of money for charity. These are the things that the club have, have tried really hard to do to, to help the, uh, the environmental cause that the club supports. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you touched upon it there. I think that the fact that we are we're trust owned and we are a really integral part of our community and the community is a is a massive part of the club as well. And I think that aligns really nicely with with the values of of sustainability and, and looking after not just the wider Exeter area, but but further outside of that as well. And sort of our responsibility in in that sense is quite a um, potentially quite a big polluter if we weren't doing things right. But I think. Yeah, there's there's lots of things that, that we're looking into from you know, reducing energy usage to yeah, water usage and all that kind of stuff. Um, looking at how we can improve the biodiversity of, of both our training ground, but also St. James Park as well. Obviously, there's a limited amount of space there where we can we can't exactly plant a forest there, for example. But there are little things that we're looking into and kind of applying for grants and bits and pieces there. Um, yeah, there's 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 so much that's already going on. Obviously, you mentioned that the cancer city that's been going on for years that massively predates me and and it's fantastic to see the work that volunteers are doing at, at the club and i think it's it speaks volumes that i mean like japan for example like they got worldwide coverage for for cleaning up the stands after their games at, at the world cup yeah our fans do it every single game win lose or draw like it's it's amazing and a credit to credit to them um but yeah i think that a lot of it is is putting in systems in place that mean that we are um we're taking responsibility Sort of for our actions going forwards yeah i think we're doing a lot of things right there are a lot of things we can be, be doing certainly a lot better um and that's reflected in our kind of score for the what's called the efl green clubs framework i'm not sure many fans will have heard of it but basically it's something that the efl have brought in um for every club in the efl it's essentially a framework that you can score yourself against and if you get achieve above a certain score you become efl green club accredited basically and there are only two clubs in the whole country that have been accredited so far and you could probably guess one of them which is forest green and the other <laughs> one is Bristol city and and our ambition is to to join those two clubs as soon as we can basically um so that's kind of my role is to figure out what it is that we can do and get the best bang for our buck as well because not everything in just like sustainability measures can cost money and they can cost a lot of money so it's it's being smart about the resources that, that we have available to us and a lot of things we can do with really minimal capital expenditure as well. Um, and I think one of the biggest things for me, so I started in November and bearing in mind, it's only, well, it's, it's almost February. So yeah, it's, I've been here, what, two and a little bit months, but the the backing from the club and kind of the support that, that you get when you ask a question, even if it's a really silly one in my case quite often, but um, people are very, very quick to point you in the right direction. And I think, the, the support that kind of sustainability, I think, has at the top level of the club as well. So we've recently um, had a director of sustainability appointed, which, again, is something that the Green Clubs framework recommends. But it's just in a really good stead because it means that there's somebody at the highest level of the club sort of not fighting for sustainability, but gives it a voice um, and makes us consider that element when important decisions are being made. Um, so I think that in itself shows the intention of the club going forward. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, there's so much that the club is is doing uh, really well. Uh, it's got to be said. Um, but one thing that we can certainly agree on is that uh, loads of fans need to get onto the the pledge pool site and and uh, pledge some uh, some time and some some things that they're going to do to help uh, City climb that leaderboard and maybe overtake Chelsea, uh, which we're going <laughs> to hope to do, I'm sure, uh, in the next uh, few days ahead of our uh, Green Football Weekend match against Bristol Rovers. 
is. Travis, thank you so much for coming on Parklife um, this week. I think a lot of fans would have found that that conversation really informative and uh, maybe will have inspired them to act a little bit more sustainable, uh, sustainably in their everyday lives. Uh, so Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Tom. Look forward to seeing all those pledges and, and green goals come flooding in after this. <laughs> thank you, Travis. Cheers. That's all for this episode of Park Life, the official Exeter City podcast. Let us know what you want to hear more of via our social media channels and don't forget to hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Up the city. He's been picked out. Socks down to his ankle. Picks out Stansfield. That's the hat trick.